live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is, is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six, you can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Brew Hoop podcast, the podcast for the NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Adam is not here. He is doing something responsible, I think. I don't know. It's also the offseason, so we're not really as, I don't want to say committed, but it's a little bit more lax. But I am Kyle Carr, one of the contributors for BrewHoop.com, and I'm joined by my friend Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going? It's going well. I'm coming to you live from beautiful Sussex, Wisconsin, uh, from my future in-law's basement. Uh, it's nice and cool down here because it's really humid in Sussex. I was just down in Illinois yesterday to see family happen to work out that I would be in town. I've yet to have a chance to go to the pro shop, but I'm hoping in the next two days to go take a little look, be at the holy ground itself of Pfizer form now that it's been consecrated by a championship. So everything's going pretty well for me. How about for you? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I got my championship merch that I ordered last week. So I got a t-shirt. Um, I got a t-shirt. I got a little rock glass. Don't remember throwing that on the list, but I got it. <laughs> I got a little, I got a banner pen. I got a pennant. So that was kind of cool. And then we went to total wine and there was a thermos for NBA champion. So I got that as well because why not? Why not get the thermos? And then I can't remember. Did you, were, oh. were you the one who had the, the Bucks branded wine? Were you the one in the part yes. of the staff that, okay. How was the wine? I have Did not you pass had that yet. open for the championship? No. Okay, okay. I just got that. I just got that. What was it? Friday. Yeah. I got that Friday. So when I finally okay. get around to opening it, I will let you know, but I, well, one of my one of Emma's coworkers' husbands works at Total Wine, so then he walked over and grabbed it and brought it over. He's like, "You're gonna want this." I'm like, I don't even drink. It's a Riesling. I was like, "I don't drink Riesling," <laughs> but I have to take it now because it has the Bucks logo on it. Uh-huh, yeah. But yeah, otherwise it's been good. I went to Texas. That was a wild time. Um, if you ever go to Texas. Have fun, I guess. Good luck. And don't go in the middle of summer because it's fucking hot and it's unbearable. <laughs> but otherwise, Austin's pretty cool. I will say Austin is a cool place. Waco's interesting. Fort Hood is large. And that's all I got for Texas. Is it true that it takes an hour to get anywhere? So like you get you're like, OK, we're going to go to the to the Walmart and it takes an hour to drive there, even though it's in like the same city, technically speaking. I mean, from the military base to the nearest Walmart. Yeah, it's probably 30, 35 minutes from my dad's apartment. It was only like 10 minutes. That was great. Whataburger was only okay. 10 minutes away. That was pretty cool. Whataburger is fine. I will say that it's nothing spectacular. I was, I always get confused. What's the one on the West Coast? What's the is it is In and Out the one? Yeah. one on the West Coast. Yeah, they have one in Texas. I I, no they had one in Texas. Did you try it? No, I, I've every time because I've gone 
to Arizona twice, and I've gone to California twice. So I've gotten in and out each time I do it. And the burgers are good. The fries are absolutely awful. I don't understand why their fries are so terrible. It's always cold, and it's always just it just feels like they did not cook it long enough. It's the worst of when you go anywhere because I'm so used to Culver's and Culver's is our answer locally to all those places. Yeah. And I'll go, I'm like, uh, they're like, oh, you have to get the Whataburger. You have to get the In-N-Out Burger. You have to get whatever. And I'll try them like, it's a fine burger. But because I've been raised on Culver's, you know, I'm so used to Culver's, which by the way, being back in Southeast Wisconsin, I forgot how much of a money-making cheat code locals Culver's are. Oh yeah, The lines are insanity. It's <laughs> they're like into the highway. That's how long the lines are to get into the Culver's drive-through. It's crazy. Especially depending on the flavor of the day, that could really like <laughs> you can normally you can try and time it if you go at, at yeah. the right time, maybe. But on a Sunday night at like this time, it's about eight o'clock. No, you you're if it's not closed by then, it's going to be closed, and you're going to spend a lot of line a lot of time in line because the flavor <laughs> of the day is something ridiculously popular. All I know is the rest of the nation needs to put respect on Culver's. The burgers are fine elsewhere. They're fine. They need to respect Culver's just as much as they need to respect, the, like you said, the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. You talked a lot about respect in our last podcast. And over the course of the offseason that we haven't really covered so much on this podcast, I think there have been moves that set us up for future respect as well, which is the way I'm going to transition us away from the burger talk into the the basketball talk here. Deal. I mean, we can start with the so exciting NBA draft. This is where champions are made, obviously. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, it's the first step onto the title defense. That's, that's how you got to look at it. The biggest thing you got to do is when you have a pick that you can maybe get a first round talent, you trade down and trade out of it and you get two second round picks now and get two more in the future, which is what Milwaukee did. They got out of pick 31, traded it to the Pacers. They got pick 54, which became Sandro Mama Kozvaski. I can't say his name. I'm going to. I, that's why I just stick, stuck with Mamu. And then they got pick 60 again and got Gregorios Kalatizakis. Uh, yeah, that actually sounds more accurate. It's so not those, bad. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I would say that's pretty close. So they got those two. And then they also got two future second round picks. In 2024, it will be the more favorable of the Pacers second round and less favorable of either Cleveland or Utah. And then in 2026, the more favorable of Indiana and Miami. I don't know really what those that necessarily means. That's future us problem. But <laughs> yeah, the two draft picks. I honestly could not tell you anything about them when it came to draft night. I had never heard of these two dudes ever before. I hadn't either. So and it was very weird because Sandro, who I'm going to call the Sandman to make it easy on myself, will have to slowly unite for some sort of nickname that we unite on. However... It was he was like the Big East Player of the Year, right? Yeah, Last he was. Year? He's the current reigning Big East Player of the Year. He was at Seton Hall, was there four years. He he had a good senior year. So, and and the thing is, the Big East is not the Big East of even like a couple of years ago in terms of prestige. However, it's still notable to be the top player in that conference. I understand though, watching the highlights, why it is that teams might be like, I don't know exactly what this guy is going to do because. <laughs> 
<laughs> People weren't kidding when you look at the highlight package. He might be one of the weirdest players ever. He's 6'11". He has like zero hops whatsoever, or at least, you know, his athleticism seems somewhat suspect. And yet, he can kind of shoot it from everywhere. His three-point release is really good. Uh, we'll see if he's able to put even a little more size on. His like length, does his like arm length doesn't seem excessively crazy for a 6'11 guy but like his passing there's like small tools here and there which for a guy picked at 54 with like somewhat of a track record in college not bad to see if you can kind of work him in and see if he could be a replacement or like you know a year or two from now project uh but much like you with uh the sandman and uh gregorios not a clue i had never heard of these people up until their names were called and i was like okay Wonderful. I was just mostly mad that John Horse made me stay up until eleven thirty, yeah, to to watch and figure out what was going to happen. When that it, he gave me a heads up, but that made it worse because I was like, oh no, now I have to sit here with these three hours of draft picks. I don't care about to find out who we pick. I feel like it's not as bad as what was it two years ago when they traded Kevin Porter Jr. over to Cleveland or whatever. It's not as bad as that because I was I spent so much time trying to give a damn, and even last year I spent so much time trying to care at least this year i was like i knew i would i knew putting too much effort wasn't going to be worth it and john horse made that easy for me because i think before i got on my flight to texas i I saw that they had traded out of it so i was like okay cool and then by the time they made pick 60 it was already near midnight and i was laying in bed i was like Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous but i think with mamu he is fluid on offense completely lost on defense which I'm okay with it. It's going to be interesting to see how he does. I mean, summer league is kicking off uh, today. By the time you hear this, he's going to, this is like the prime opportunity for him to just get a bunch of garbage point, like garbage stat line look like he's lighting it up and everyone's going to be like, Oh, this guy's going to be, he's going to be a great, he's going to be a key role player for this team. And it's like, no, he is not going to be a role player. I don't expect him to be in the rotation. And if he is, He's going to get absolutely torched on defense, but he looks like when he has the ball in his hands, he can do, he has offense. He has an offensive skill set that at least makes you want to see what he can do with it. And I think that's kind of what you just hope for. Kind of similar with Jordan war. It's like, you know, on offense, he's going, he's got a skill set and he's got skills and that's going to potentially get him playing time. And if he can be okay on defense, that's that's enough, and he's going to be signed to a two-way deal, so I wouldn't be surprised if he spends a lot of time with the Wisconsin Herd. So you, I'll take it, like 6'11". I don't expect him to play this year. If he does, either there's injuries or it's going to be the classic. Uh, we don't really care about this game, so we're just going to put the absolute scrubs in and just see what happens. Yeah, I think the fact that he signed a two-way deal is huge, uh, assuming that we do like a full herd season. It's something that last year would have been great for Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill, uh, RIP Sam Merrill. You're not dead, but you're not part of the Bucks anymore. Uh, it would have been great for them just to have opportunities like a Christian Wood, for example, um, where you go down and you get to be the focal point of that offense and just get up a ton of shots. And yes, the results matter for the rest of the team itself, the herd and the other guys, but it's easier for you to have a big role there. So I think it'll be great for uh, the Sandman, Sandro, to do that. Um, and it, it gives the team the same, like, you know, contract control. I think even a two-way, you still, after the, if assuming they did a two-year two-way, um, they could bring them up, upgrade them wherever they want to a full-on contract. 
and also at the end of it, this is just me pulling from the air, but I think you still get restricted free agent rights on the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, everything seems to have lined up where I think it'll be a good fit, his contract where he's not going to get a lot of playing minutes, but a, a big man in today's league, they can take all sorts of different forms. They could be a defensive guy like a Brook Lopez who shoots a lot of threes. They could be like a all offense and kind of figure it out defense guy like a Bobby Portis. What you want is a big man who maybe you can add a little bit more size, but if they have skills that in the course of playing with the herd, for example, throughout a whole season where they're getting a lot of run, yes, it's going to be difficult to then work him into a more limited role, but that he can refine what he's doing. He can refine the skill set to figure out here's how you're going to best contribute to the team in the future. Um, and we should remind everybody, he was the 54th overall pick. I had never heard of this guy before draft night. There's, as much of a chance, it just doesn't work out. He has defense a la like a Sam Merrill. He just might not have the athleticism on the defensive end to make it worthwhile, whatever he's doing on offense. But for a 54th pick, project guy, yes, he's a little bit older, but I wouldn't hold that against him necessarily. He's produced. It's not like older and he didn't really produce. He produced at a decent level. Um, we'll just have to see. It, but anybody who's saying he's going to be the next star on the team, uh, or anybody who says he's going to be a total bust, we just have no idea. Like any of these draft picks, but given the wide variance of what you get to pick here, feels like a pretty good gamble from the team. Yeah, I feel like best case scenario, he's a role player right away, and you can cover up his defensive issues early on. Worst case scenario, he's someone that doesn't work out. You took a chance. It's a second-round pick. Maybe he's someone that you can stash on the herd for a while. Maybe you could flip him for more second-round draft picks in the future. Who knows? I, I think at le- at the very least, you have the luxury of we don't need these guys to be good right now. Like they don't need to come in and contribute. It would be nice if they can, but it's not make or break. You already have your seven, eight man rotation. He's not going to be he was never going to factor into it. So let him get his trial by fire with the herd. See what happens after this after the season. Then you take that next step. Okay. Do we turn this into a minimum, like a minimum deal? Do we like you cross that bridge when you get there after you can see what this guy's even about? And I mean, that's why you're also going to have summer league. That'll give him a chance. And with Georgios, I don't know if he's even going to be on the Bucks. Like the Bucks drafted him. It sounds like he's coming to Milwaukee, but I don't think he's on a contract yet. I, he, I, was he even announced on the summer league roster? I don't think he was. He is not on the league. summer league roster either. So I don't know what this guy's doing. I think they're. I think right now they're trying to work it out. But I, I, he's also going to be someone that I expect to spend a lot of time on the Wisconsin herd. Twenty-two years old, played in Europe at Panathinaikos last season. He didn't do much. He only played sixty-two minutes in fourteen games. So it's not like he was lighting the league on fire. In two thousand eighteen, he had declared for the draft but had decided to stay in Greece. He played with the Nasus and also has the same agent or the, like his agent works for the same company that Giannis's agent works for as well. So definitely some eyebrows were raised as to why you're making this pick, but it's also pick 60. It's the last pick of the draft. We just saw with Sam Merrill, your best case scenario is you can turn him into a couple draft picks and a rotation player like that is i i don't know what we expect out of this guy i don't really know what his game is i feel like it's going to be a you're kind of just there and you're a wing and that's all i got yeah 
there's every possibility that we never see him. He might come in for like training camp or something, but given the uh, roster situation, I think Mamadi is still on a two. No, wait, he got upgraded to a full. He got upgraded. Year, right? Yeah. So they, they may end up, I doubt he'll get down. I've, any talk about non-guaranteed deals do not come to us because I'm too stupid to understand. And I'm not sure if Kyle's done the research for it nope. right off the spot here. So, nope. <laughs> okay. Can't so even, there you go. I told so, you off season. I am not obviously like, this is the most commitment I'm putting in the off season as yes. these podcasts. <laughs> this is where we're hurting without him. But so for Georgios, I don't know if it's Gregorios or Georgios. We're going to mispronounce it because he's never going to play for the Bucks more than likely. It's going to, what I would look at it is any sort of Euro guy where it's like draft and stash, but really you just have his draft rights and he just continues to play wherever around the world. And every time you go on the Bucks basketball reference page and look at their draft rights, he'll be there. But outside of a training camp, I can't imagine uh, since he hasn't, like you said, been lighting it up in Europe necessarily. Uh, I don't even understand the whole angle of like they were doing Giannis's agency a solid because I don't think it guarantees this guy any money that we have his draft rights, right? Uh, unless some other. So I have no idea why they picked him. But your lesson that if his number sixty, the odds of anybody from number sixty outside of like the way moonshot of an Isaiah Thomas, uh, outside of that, there's not going to be any chance for somebody to do a whole bunch with that. So that's okay. Yeah, I don't think we need to do Giannis's agency as well because when Giannis signed to Supermax, I'm pretty sure the agent made a pretty good penny off of that yeah. deal as well. And the I Nasa's hope they're got, not hurt the for the 60th. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I hope they don't need the 60th pick to help like prop up their finances or there's some issues going on. In the yeah, I would have a lot of questions there. That would <laughs> that would be super would concerning. Too. But yeah, that's kind of the draft in a nutshell. I, I feel like the last few seasons, the NBA draft hasn't really been. It has brought some interesting pieces where you hope that it turns up. But ever since Dante, there hasn't been a, okay, we expect this guy to contribute right away type of player. And my, my I think question that's okay. for you, my, my question for you, this is the big thing uh, up until PJ Tucker. This is the big thing that divided all of Bucks Twitter. This was the, the spark that lit relit the civil war. And we were right back at each other's throats. <laughs> Were you <laughs> it's a little bit easier now that we have some context with the rest of the offseason, but when the trade happened, were you upset that they traded out of 31? Uh because 31, you're borderline, obviously you're right outside the first round. Uh second round draft picks aren't necessarily that good of a chance for a hit, but you have a much higher chance of getting good talent at the top of the second than obviously at the back. Um, were you upset? What were your thoughts on the trade out of 31 into 54, 60 and future picks? I was selfishly annoyed that they traded out of 31 because I had to wait longer to figure out who they were drafting. So I had to still mm-hmm. somewhat like at least scroll through Twitter and see what was going on with the draft. So selfishly, I was very annoyed. But in terms of the overall perspective, I had no problem with it. I got your John Horse is working with a very limited uh, roster situation and cap situation because they are in the tax. They're going to be in the tax. The only way you can really add players without incurring more, a higher tax penalty is through draft picks. So if you're able to get basically four draft picks out of one pick, that's not too bad with the Sam Merrill trade and getting Grayson Allen and two second round picks, like you're stashing these second round picks and you can either use that to, upgrade and get a better player or you just have draft picks and that's okay because most of the time these second round picks are going to be in the 50 to 
you know, 45 to 60 range anyway. Like if the Bucks continue playing and contending like they should with the core that they have, we're going to be picking at the end of the second round year after year. And that's all right. Like it's not the end of the world. I don't see an issue with it. Stock up on as many second round picks as you can because everyone keeps saying, well, just buy a second round pick, buy a second round pick, buy a second round pick. I don't think teams are going to just buy second round picks anymore. Like the only way you're going to acquire more second round picks is to trade. And if this is what it takes, so be it. Yes. Would it have been good to get someone out of pick 31? Sure. But who knows what that player could have done anyway? Like, are they going to be better than a Jordan Wara or at the time that we thought Sam Merrill, even Diakite, like, are they going to be better than them? I don't know. At least we know, like when it comes, you can lower the expectations and maybe that's not the best outlook, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, it is what it is. Like these guys are at best. Maybe they can contribute and be role players in two, three years at worst. You trade them or they just don't work out. And that's fine. The Bucks have their core. You're ideally hoping that they become decent assets because the Bucks don't have any assets anymore besides yeah. like Dante. I, I think it's, it, I understand why people were upset about it because of a team. When you look at it, you're like, okay, we're kind of an older ish team. Uh, we're, like you said, we're very constrained in terms of the cap sheet. The way that I look at it is for a team that's contending, I literally just won the title and is hoping to be on the cusp for at least the next five years and if not beyond what you need to be looking at when you're comparing pick 31 versus what you're going to be getting or maybe getting in free agency you have to ask yourself when you're looking at the odds that pick 31 turns out to be like a meaningful even slightly better than a role player in the future let's say even in the next two to three seasons because our timeline is that short with Giannis and company and the odds that they become like a star player with our scouting department, based on our, our previous draft history, you have to compare and say, okay, those seem like really low odds. Whereas then you look and say, okay, what if we got a semi Ojale, a Rodney Hood, a George Hill, all these, a Grayson Allen, things like that. Those are guys who are proven. Maybe they have their flaws, but guys who are getting picked in the second round of the draft are going to have flaws as well. And these guys are going to have a higher chance of contributing in the immediate. And so that's probably the calculus the team is doing is say, yes, we can, if we trade out of pick 31, get more second round draft picks, our odds of getting somebody who's going to contribute in a meaningful way right now when it matters most before these guys age a little bit more, you know, Chris and Drew are not getting any younger. It's not that I expect a huge drop off, but if we're going to maximize things, I totally get them saying, we'll move off for now, look to try and use the draft capital to try and keep adding to the team right now and trust that we'll get guys in free agency. So I, I understand why people would be upset because you look at the talent, you say, oh, there's a possibility. This is an unproven guy. This is essentially a question mark. But if the team feels confident that nobody here is going to be that superstar or we just don't trust our scouting or we're just not all that good at drafting or whatever it is, I totally get tra trading out of it. It's annoying personally, like you said, the night of because you have to stay up another two hours to find out who we actually picked. But beyond that, I understand the team building philosophy, why they went the direction they did. Yeah, I just feel like this was not a topic that should have sparked such a heated debate. Like, this is not the topic. Like, PJ Tucker, I completely understand why people would be mad on one side or the other. I can get that. This is not one of those. It is the draft. Who cares? It is 
the like the Bucks were what a week removed from being champions. I could have, I did not care. I was still in the we are champions, and I'm wearing a Bucks mask around Texas, and I'm bragging about it. I'm still in that mindset. I didn't even realize the draft was the dra- the day of until literally the day of. I was like, oh, there's a draft. Okay, whatever. I this was not this was not the debate that should have happened, but free agency did start shortly after. And for the Bucks, they were able to bring back Bobby Portis, which was probably the biggest shock, I would say, out of all the free agent moves. They brought George Hill back. They had added Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood. Unfortunately, the PJ Tucker has left to go to the Miami Heat. So I guess which move would you want to talk about first, Riley? I, I feel like PJ is probably the biggest one out of all these, but I don't know if there's any others that you want to talk about first. It's so the big two are Bobby and PJ. Um, let's start high note first, then we'll go low note, and then we'll talk about everybody else. So high note, Bobby Porter's coming back. Uh, I believe it, it was two years at 120% of his um, salary from last season. So yeah, and they just, didn't use his non-bird rights, which is, or non-bird, whatever. So it didn't, so they still allowed the Bucks to use their full Emily, which was huge. Correct. So it was his minimum, but he could get upgraded because the way that works is the longer a guy's run, even if it's not um, bird rights or early bird rights, you're able to offer 120% of his previous year salary or whatever, which is, like you said, that's how they were to get him on essentially a minimum. And then they could use the taxpayer mid-level exception. That's Mm -hmm. how I understand at least. I think Bobby is hopefully the idea is an under the table deal. It looks like it's going to be, okay, I'm going to play out this year. And then next year, once we have his early bird rights, then we can pay him, you know, almost like $10 million a year or something like that, starting after the, you know, whatever the number happens to be. I think it's a great uh, deal for both sides. Everybody loves Bobby Portis. All the fans love Bobby Portis. He proved in his year in Milwaukee that I think he's a more mature player. He's an extremely skilled offensive player, uh, especially coming off the bench, a big guy like that that's extremely helpful to have. And most importantly, he proved in the finals and in other situations that he can step up on the defensive end. It's not perfect. I don't think it's ever going to be perfect. But in a pinch, when Brooke Lopez is in his the way that he plays defense is not doing it for the team, we know we have Bobby to throw out there and given the way that free agency went given um you know some of the numbers people were getting bobby probably could have gotten a pretty big deal from somewhere else but i think for him it was a recognition of i fit really well with this team he seems to be very humble very like you know accepting of his role he knows he's going to have a role to play you know it's not a, i take this and hopefully i'll have a role he knows he's going to have a big role to play um i just think everybody kind of wins on this one and it's especially important for the Bucks because we are going to continue to be even more constrained into the future to pay guys who really matter. Bobby Portis is now a guy who matters, and we have the tools to be able to pay him into the future. And yes, it's not great with the P.J. Tucker thing where they kind of cheaped out. We're going to talk about them in a second. You wonder, okay, are they really going to commit to that once they start looking at the numbers? But for strictly team-building purposes, assuming the owners continue to pay up and say, we'll pay Bobby, um, it's as big of a home run as John Horst could have hit in free agency, which had you told me a year ago or whatever last off season that Bobby Portis was going to be the guy that we needed to sign. I would have been like, okay, sure. I, I, I mean, I guess, but it's true. It's he's, he fits a perfect role for this team. It is very particular to us. He would have had a different role somewhere else, maybe even a bigger role. 
Um, but I think it's just a perfect match for both sides. So I, I'm very glad they were able to work it out. I had a gut feeling he would come back. Like, I had a feeling Bobby Ports would come back. I thought they would have used their full Emily. I thought they would have paid him as much as they could, and he would have just said, you know what, I'll take it. I'm staying. I like it here. I didn't expect him to go with his non-bird rights. I didn't expect him to come back as cheap as he did, and especially considering he turned down, I think he was getting offers of $10 million a year plus from, I think, Dallas. I think Miami was one. There were teams that wanted him, and he still decided to stay. So maybe there is that under the table, like kind of that offset agreement of, okay, you got your, you, you have one more year, you opt out, we pay your full bird rights, you get paid. And it's going to be, and I think it's a little bit different with him and PJ because one, Bobby is what, almost 10 years, like nine, 10 years younger. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it's a little bit easier to like throw that money at someone that when they're, you know, still in their 20s compared to someone that is 36, 37. I can see the argument. So hopefully Bobby does get rightfully paid the next off season. I, I think there was the, he knew exactly where he fit in. He knew his role. He knew he was going to get opportunities. He knew the team around him and he can compete for a championship. He got his championship, which is great. But the fact that you, it's just the, you know what you, it's easy to stay where, you know, it's he's comfortable. I think it's easier to be comfortable in a good situation that's going to continue pushing him. And I mean, he loves the city and the fans love him. Like at, if that wasn't evident in the regular season, once we got to the postseason, you got the game five, like that was game five, of the Eastern conference finals. That was the, yeah, I can see him coming back because the fans love him and he loves being here. I don't even blame him if he went somewhere else and got paid because he absolutely earned it. He deserved it. But the fact that he decided, you know what? I have a good situation here. I don't see myself needing to leave and we could still compete for a title the next year. And maybe, you know, again, maybe he decides, you know, what, I've done what I can. I need to get this one last paycheck and that would be totally fine. But the fact that, yeah, he decided to say it was a win for John Horace. It's a win for the Bucks. It's a win for Bobby Portis. I, I think it was a good situation all around. And like I said, I thought he would have stayed, but I didn't think it was going to be at the numbers that it was. And I think what Bobby's going to bring, especially considering the injury situation, um, you know, with Dante being out, does he move into the starting lineup? We're sh- I'm sure there's going to be a lot of games where Giannis is going to get load managed. Chris is definitely going to have some load management. So maybe you can just swap one of those two out for Bobby as well. I, I-, I think it's good. I think it's going to work out for Milwaukee. And again, having Bobby back and his just, personality and demeanor and his mentality it's going to be a benefit for everyone involved yeah and i think as much as we're going to lose with pj tucker like the backbone of the team who was the other guy we were saying all season long who was like the other new backbone guy bobby portis was the guy and i hope after this last finals run that the rest of the team will have picked that up a little bit but bobby will still be here to help infuse that off the bench Mm -hmm. um so I, i just think Win from everybody. I, and for him too, you know, he passed on, I think it was like a $40 million deal with the Bulls. And he took a bet on himself and he went to the Knicks and the Knicks are a tire fire and it was not good for him. And I just think, you know, there's a certain point of in everybody's life where, okay, this is a good situation for me. I like the role. I'm getting paid enough. You know, I, I probably will have a chance more than likely to get paid even more in a comfortable situation. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah, 
he was right when he was talking about it kind of looked a little iffy there for a minute because he was talking about you know as much as i've loved it here you do have to look after your family you have to look at after future generations and i totally get that so if he left totally cool but like you said it, there's a comfort here and still praying it would be now if the bucks cheaped out on him next year obviously then we can get the pitchforks out hoping they don't do that or even it, or if he gets bold over with an even bigger offer somewhere else and he goes get paid you know that's all good uh but i think it's it's all lined up perfectly for both sides so yes we, you know good for bobby good for the bucks everybody wins in this situation fingers crossed everybody wins yep now let's talk about the not so fun <laughs> pj tucker going to miami uh, this, yeah, you know, you mentioned the trade, the draft trade being the, okay, Bucks Twitter starting the PJ Tucker was the full on, we are back and we are back to infighting. We are back to being at each other's throats. We are back mm-hmm. to all of it. He took a two year deal and I think it was what, two year, $15 million or something like that. So it was yep. less than what the Bucks could have offered him. And I think the biggest art like there's. At first, it was like a, okay, well, maybe he just decided, I want to be in South Beach, which can't blame him. Why not? If you're an NBA player, why not be in South Beach after being in Wisconsin? And then based on his Instagram, it kind of made it sound like, well, maybe it wasn't necessarily his choice that he wanted. He was hoping the Bucks would do something, and the Bucks didn't. And then it kind of was later, I would say, more or less confirmed that Milwaukee didn't want to go deeper into tax for PJ Tucker. And whatever ideas people had initially, there's some flip-flopping, there's some, there's more anger, more. I I feel like it went from, okay, let's, let's, before we start getting pitchforks out, let's just see what happened. Like, did PJ Tucker just choose to leave? Cause that's fine. That was like, that was like 45 minutes. We had 45 minutes of like, Oh, that sucks. But like, I get it. You know, you want to go to Miami and then all hell broke. Loose. And then he, PJ pulled his Instagram and everyone's like, all right, let's go get your pitchforks. We're, we're, we're burning this place down led out the whole works. And I was like, Oh man. And I got, I understood it, but what were your thoughts with the whole situation? It's, uh, so like I'm like the resident I hate the owners guy and I do hate the owners. I think they're a bunch of cheapos uh, who probably shouldn't be running their kit for Senate, but we can talk about that later. Um, it, it's so I didn't want to overreact in the moment because um, we weren't sure about how they were going to use the taxpayer mid level exception. Uh, we weren't sure who they were going to still going to get. So the night of, I still retained some of that. Okay, like Miami, you know. Sucks that he left, sucks if the team cheaped out or whatever, but let's see how things play out. And it feels okay since it has played out. But in like the days between that and the every all the other moves kind of working out, I think I kind of came around to the idea of um, being okay with PJ leaving and them not offering him, say, like a two-year $20 million deal. Um, not because... I don't think the owners can't afford to pay the luxury tax. It's so tough because as soon as you're like, I think it's okay. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're a ownership apologist. I try not to be, I really honestly don't try to be an ownership apologist, but the way I want to look at it is, okay, if they're going to be cheapos and saving a few bucks now helps them like stay committed to paying in the future. I know it's a very flimsy argument, but between PJ's age 
and he was a legend in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. Legendary performance. And Kevin Durant still, still scored a million points, but PJ Tucker was like the spark that kept the team like head slightly above water as we were like drowning. Um, he filled a role. He stepped up uh, when Dante went down, but that's another thing is Dante went down and that's when we went to PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker was never option a, he was option B once Dante went down. Now you could argue given the results that PJ should have been option a the whole time, but like trying to imagine what he was going to be like, just totally load banish him a whole season and hope that 37, 38 year old PJ Tucker was going to be able to still give it his all throughout an entire playoff run at the level that he did. Um, you know, there were still times where, especially in the Suns game, he was given his all, but we were starting to see some of the limits of what he could still do, what he could still produce. And it was good stuff, but it was not at the same level as say when he was trying to guard Kevin Durant. And so everything coming together, and he was a total zero on offense too, by the way. So let's just, let's just be honest about that. He by the, fi- by the finals. Made, yeah, he was, <laughs> he made maybe, I think I saw five, three pointers in his time when I was watching him and a couple of layups, which is fine. That was exactly his role. But when you're weighing the all the evidence, I understand why the team went for it. It would have been great had they just paid him anyhow. But I think given the other moves, yes, they're going to risk it with like Semi Ojale, for example. But I get why they moved on. It's just he really went after him with that Instagram post, which, hey, you know what? All fair in love and war, man. They they cheaped out. They lowballed you. They didn't even offer anything to you. You're more than welcome to go on Instagram and totally blow up their spot. So I have total respect for that. I get it. Um, and I, I think it's good because it keeps people on ownership. I, I don't think ownership necessarily needs a pass. I think there should be some balance in the way that we're looking at it. I can say the ownership cheaped out, but if this is what it takes to get our, our cheap old billionaires to be okay, keep spending money into the future to keep something of a core together, um, then that's the trade-off we got to make. It's just tough for me to imagine what a whole season of PJ Tucker and then a whole year from now, what he's still going to bring. He'll forever be beloved in the city. He had a great run. The trade worked out exactly as the team could have hoped for. And sometimes you just got to know when to fold. You know, we got what we got. We got a title out of it. It worked out and it's okay to move on. It it sucks. It doesn't speak well on the ownership. It was seriously just a money thing. But I think all the other moves helped kind of make it more sensical why they went that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of mixed on it, but generally being okay on it. Yeah, I'm. I understand where each side was coming from in terms of the owners are cheapos and terrible. Like, yes, this like this the spot was. It was essentially like you can't use that money elsewhere. I think that's like the biggest like argument yeah. people have made. And I'm going to say the level-headed people, the level-headed people's arguments where you can't use that money elsewhere. It's not like you can just take that money and give it somewhere else. It's not like what happened with Jabari. It's not like what happened with Bronson. You can't just take that money and allocate it elsewhere. Like you have that money. It's there. You either sign PJ to it or it's gone. So I understand that side of it of maybe it becomes a trade chip. But at the same time, is it really going to look better when you sign the guy and then immediately trade him six months later? Probably not. I, I I just don't. I think it, it, the optics were bad, but it would have been bad if you had signed him and immediately traded him anyway. Like, that's just my opinion on it. Like, even if you sign PJ Tucker and then you trade him at the trade deadline, 
that doesn't necessarily make you look better. It still makes you look just as bad because it's like, okay, well, we got you, but as soon as we found the expendable, we're going to ship you on anyway. So yeah. better to just rip the bandaid off early. I get the side where it's like he it is, he is 30. He is old. He did show his limitations near the end of the finals. There is only so much that he can do. And yes, without him, the Bucks don't win the title. But can you really try and load manage him for 82 games and then hope that in six, seven months, he's ready to go potentially 16 games of balls to the walls, 30 to 40 minutes? I don't know. Like, that's really tough to try and predict, and especially when he got the majority of those minutes when Dante went down. Now, he probably still would have been given those assignments with Kevin Durant and et cetera, even if Dante was injured, but it's very tough to try and predict that going well, and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, and you're kind of betting on can this guy stay in good enough shape to be beneficial on defense because on offense, it was he was already going to, you were going to hit corner threes and maybe get a few layups. That is your role, and that's it. And at times, especially when that shot's not falling, you become it becomes four and five, which is really difficult if a team can ever figure, and that's assuming that Drew and Chris, and like if everyone else, you've got to have it, and he doesn't. So I understood that side of it. I understand the owners being cheap because, but the owners have always said, we will... If it's worth it, we'll do it. That's what they said after Brogdon. And I feel like the Brogdon situation was more divisive. And I actually think letting them letting PJ go was worse than them letting Brogdon go. Because Brogdon had a bigger contract. And that is a guy that is still very injury prone. That wanted to be a point guard. And he wasn't going to be the point guard. It was never going to work out well. It was always going to be this weird situation that was not, no one's going to be happy about it in the end. So, them letting PJ go, I feel like it's worse because PJ knew his role. PJ was totally content with staying. PJ knew exactly what he wanted in Milwaukee and he didn't get it. And he got pissed. And I don't blame him. So, I understood both sides of it. I think the biggest argument I had is when people were like, I can't believe these owners are cheaping out. It's like, They've been cheaping out for the last few years. Like, they only went into the penalty this recently because they won the finals with Drew's contract. Like, that is the only reason. (laughs) This is not, like, they have tried finding ways to cheap out and save money as much as possible. So if you're surprised that this happened all of a sudden, you have not been paying attention, and I don't feel bad. And, like, your anger there, I don't think that one is justified. Like, Like, with you, for example, you've always been more con led you've always been non not in favor of the owners and if you were and you still continue that that makes complete sense but for someone that's brand like someone that's like i can't believe they cheaped out all of a sudden no no they've never this has always been them and that's always been the case and i think the bigger issue for me is john horse is out here saying oh him having his bird having his bird rights is going to be huge for us having his bird rights is going to be great and then you don't do anything with it so that it just looks bad because it's like, did John Horse only say that because he had to say it? Did John Horse want to bring PJ Tucker back and owner said no? That's the issue that I have is you can't go out here boasting and pretty much making it sound like this is going to be your number one priority with the bird rights and getting PJ Tucker back and then not even make an offer. 
Like that is my biggest issue. I have no problem with PJ going. I have no problem with them deciding that, but I have a problem with making it seem like you're going. It seems like it was all smoke and mirrors to see if any other team would even try. I, it felt like we're we're going to make this a priority. Good luck trying to make an offer because you're not going to beat it. And then someone made an offer. They're like, oh, we actually we're never going to do it. Uh huh. Yeah. No, that's a good way to look at it. Where like if they were looking almost like he's a restricted free agent, like, well, we'll just match whatever deal. You know, don't even make a deal because we'll just match it. You're going to hold up your cap space. Don't even worry about it. That's going to be a waste of your time. Um, they couldn't have had really worse optics timing. If they could have just timed it to say, PJ, we're not going to give you a deal. And then uh, Bobby will give you the deal. If they switched the timing on those two, I think it would have helped take the sting out. Uh, nobody wins. Everybody should be upset about the situation. Um, but again, there are logical reasons that uh, there are reasons to say that maybe PJ were getting close to the drop off. It's it's not that he's not going to be professional and not be in shape, but even just like a slight drop off when you're a defense heavy guy, when that is your role. You know, you start losing a little bit and it's going to show pretty quickly. I mean, just look at Brooke Lopez. You know, everybody this past year, he's slightly slower and everybody's like, oh, my God, Brooke Lopez is killing us out there. You know, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe a little bit. He slowed a little bit, but not all that much. But it's that significant at this level. And so if they don't think that PJ is going to continue that or they're worried about it being close to the drop off, even if he's in shape, even if he's doing everything, your body just doesn't respond at a certain point. That's just the way the game works. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's also if the fact they... that he went to Miami. I think if he went to <laughs> yeah, like Oklahoma City, Sacramento. we wouldn't. Yeah, yeah Sacramento, Sac- Oklahoma yeah. City, Orlando. We would not be making as much of a stink about it, I feel like. But he went to Miami, and that puts more of an – it just makes it more irritated that it's Miami. I think that's really the – I think that also contributed. Him going to Miami, or if he had gone to Miami or Brooklyn or the Lakers, we would have all been – well, maybe not the Lakers, but like Brooklyn or Miami or Philly, we would have all been like, what the hell? If he had gone to Orlando or Sacramento – even Denver, we would have been like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, okay. Yeah. Is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Miami does hurt for sure. I think the end, my end point is PJ, I love you. That was a great run. Thank you for everything you did. It worked out as well as we, it way beyond what we could have hoped for. And I'm sorry that the ownership cheaped out on you. They should, it, that's, you know, it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on different circumstances. Like he said, it was totally outside of his control. He did everything he could. He expressed that he wanted to come back. Ownership cheaped out on him. Uh, and that they that's not cool. Uh, but I still thank you for everything you did, even though it wasn't the best point of departure at the end of it all. Yeah, I guess. Th- yeah, I agree with all that. And the fact that his, the last image of PJ with the Bucks is going to be that championship parade and everything that went with uh-huh. it. That is probably a perfect high to end on. Like it is that's as good as it's going to get. So why not leave on top? Even if it wasn't on your terms, you still leave with, you probably leave with the highest approval rating you could ever have gotten. Yep. It would have been like Bobby leaving for like more money somewhere else. Be like, you have through the roof approval rating. We totally get it. No big deal. Unfortunately, in this situation, we just got all the, the look behind and we're like, Oh, this isn't as cool as if Bobby just left for a big payday somewhere else. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I think the, so then the other move that happened, Semi Ojale coming in and Rodney Hood. 
and George Hill, which George Hill was for me the one that I was like, oh, because I my biggest concern after Samuel Julian Rodney Hood was like, okay, you can kind of make up PJ's production with those two guys, but I'm sitting here thinking they have no guard. They have no guard. Their guards right now are Drew, who is absolutely exhausted from the Olympics, Dante, who is hurt and might not be ready by the start of the season, and Pat. And at the time, Sam Barrel was like, we don't have a guard <laughs> that's going to be fresh and ready to go. I'm concerned. And then they brought George Hill back, and I'm honestly surprised. Considering everything that went down with George Hill, with him coming back, that is a pleasant surprise. Now, people are saying, well, he was kind of washed he, like when he was with Philly and everything else. Like, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that he was a Philly. Maybe he just didn't play as well in Philly because it's Philly. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I, I mean, for a guy off the bench, we know what George Hill brings. If he can shoot at a decent rate, it's as good as, I mean, after missing on Patty Mills and not excessively overpaying other guys, like getting George Hill for as cheap as they did is probably a good scenario, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, the So I think he ends up getting... Is it two years, eight million? Is that what it was? So he gets four million. So it's each it eats into a little bit of the taxpayer MLE, um, which I think is fine because given our guards of last year. So who, who do we have first? DJ Augustine, DJ. Respect to you. We traded you immediately. It probably just wasn't going to work, and that's okay. Uh, and then we had Jeff Teague, the corpse of Jeff Teague, which it's amazing. It will never not be amazing that we survived and won a title with Jeff Teague playing actual minutes. When you look at the context of those guys, even a wash George Hill seems like an upgrade. He's got way more size than either of those guys, obviously. He has played here. He knows the system. He knows what his role would be. He's come off the bench before. He's a decent creator, all things considered. It's a question, like you said, with he was he was doing okay in OKC before he got injured or like they were trying to tank anyhow. Right. Um, and then like you said, Philly is a tire fire place any either way. So kind of a weird role for him to try and fulfill there. I don't know. It, it's not going to be, I doubt it'll be the George Hill of like two years ago in 2019 against the Raptors where he was like, he was the second best player that we had or whatever, like that kind of run. Um, but if it's somewhere between that and bubble George Hill, that's a, great player for what we're looking for given how limited our options are so we'll see i think he's going to get load managed i think um it'll be interesting how he performs but coming off the bench again backing up drew a reliable guy somebody you can they can trust yes it seemed like it kind of was a little strange when he left uh and I'm not sure how much of it was. I don't think it was with the other players. I think he's totally cool with the players and the coaching staff. I think it was more of a management slash ownership issue with how things turned out. So if there was some sort of discussion between him and the team and said, hey, you're not even going to have to deal with uh, he who should not be named because, you know, he's we're too busy with other career moves going on. Uh, then And he's like, okay, cool. I, you know, either way, he's back. It seemed like all the players are excited to have him back. So all things considered for the guards that we could have gotten seems decent. Yeah. Like we'll obviously washed, Patty Mills decent. would have been the top choice, but once he decided yeah. Brooklyn was kind of a, all right, we're looking at Dante Exum. There's Kendrick Nunn. There's Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams. And it's like, yeah, screw it. Like none of these are going to really make me, I just wanted a guard. So I, yeah, I mean with George Hills leaving, I think it was, 
obviously you don't like getting tra- like no i feel like no one likes getting traded if they didn't want the trade you know if they're forcing a trade if they made the request that's one thing but when you're happy where you are and all of a sudden you're getting shipped mm-hmm. out yeah, it kind of sucks, and I would pr- be a little bit bitter as well. Like, I just lo- I just got my position eliminated. I lost my job, and I was like, I'm bitter about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, after time, you figure it – like, you, the scars eventually heal. And if maybe it was only at a certain person who's not as involved anymore, and maybe that was his biggest gripe. That's okay, then. If, that's, if that was his biggest gripe, and that gripe is not – a big factor and he's like okay we're good then cool obviously he liked it enough that he wanted to come back i think it is a situation where time it everyone just needed time and his i I also feel like his comments were getting completely overblown by bucks fans as well in terms of i don't i don't think george hill is necessarily trashing the bucks i just think he was saying I don't know if I, and I mean, he's completely valid at the get. I don't know if I got traded because of what happened in the bubble after the Jacob Blake shooting. And like, no one's ever, like, no one knows. I don't blame him if he was like, maybe that was why. It's perfectly fair. So, yes, George Hill, be, and he knows the player. Yeah, like you said, he knows the players. He knows the coaching staff. He knows the system. It's just a matter of, do you still have enough in the tank to be useful in the playoffs in case one of Dante or Drew or Pat gets hurt and you have to take on those minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I think it's a, a decent risk for both sides. I think it's, it's, he seems super excited to be back. Like I said, it seems like the players are excited to have him back. So that's good as well. Uh, a lot of this team this past year, what are we looking for? Like the Bucks DNA stuff seems like George Hill brings a little bit more vibes back to the squad. He was in like every Pat Connaughton, bench mob video after every like beat down of some random team on a Tuesday. So I respect that. It'll be good to have them back. Uh, the other guys who I've never experienced before, they're going to be a little bit more interesting to figure out how they're going to fit or how they're going to like gel with the rest of the team. My only thoughts on semi Ojale and Roddy hood are okay. Sure. Why not? It's <laughs> low risk, high reward. I've heard of you guys. I've never been, I mean, Rodney Hood was at least serviceable and looked like, okay, he could be a player. And then he got that Achilles injury. So not say, I don't know what's going to happen. Samuel Jolie, I mean, I always felt like he was overrated by Boston fans. So it never, it, that didn't help. So now that he's on the Bucks, it's like, okay, were the Celtics fans really just overrating this guy? Or is, is there something there? I don't know. I feel like he has the size, he has the athleticism so that you can at least take what PJ Tucker did and it might not be as effective. It might not work as well, but it's worth trying with a younger player on a one year, like on a cheaper deal, low risk, high reward. I don't know what's like worst case scenario. He's just not going to play in the playoffs. Best case scenario. He is a essential. He does what PJ Tucker did. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't uh, mind the deals yeah. because they're because they are such a low it's not like we we're throwing five, six million dollars at them. It, again, it, the the issue with the semi ojali deal is more so the timing because we let PJ Tucker go. <laughs> and an hour goes by, PJ Tucker posts on Instagram that we lowballed him. And then like three hours later, after everybody is stewed for four hours on the situation, then semi ojali gets signed and we're like, okay, they literally just got like Walmart PJ <laughs> Tucker. <laughs> We have PJ Tucker at home. The PJ Tucker at home. 
<laughs> so really, it's not so much Semi. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he will give it his all. He's obviously seems to be in crazy shape, uh, like crazy, crazy shape. So, uh, you know, it's nothing against him. It's just the timing couldn't really have been worse. Had this been a guy, again, that we signed like three days into free agency, I'd be like, it's a pretty reasonable deal. Okay, so Or even good. if they did it it's before just... <laughs> PJ Tucker News. All right, cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh huh. It's just it really it was more sort of timing. I you know I think people are saying that he seems okay-ish on defense. He seems a little bit like a klutz, which is fine. We deal with klutz like Thanasis is already out there. But if he can like right. make more threes than Thanasis and is slightly more coordinated, I'm willing to give it a try. Rodney Hood, not a clue. He's a name. Uh, like you said, the Achilles injury with this with this uh training staff. It seems like we have like one of the best training staffs in the league, so maybe that helps him get a little bit more out of him. But he's going to be such like a very specific role. Like, I don't expect him to be a much of a plus defender, and if he could make some threes, great. Uh, you know, I'm not expecting a whole bunch out of him. Uh, you know, more so depth for regular season. I can't imagine he's going to play a lot of minutes in the playoffs or anything. So he's just going to soak up some regular season minutes, probably. Yeah, I mean, he injured that Achilles, I think, in like 2019. So it's been at least a year. And by the time the season starts, it'll be almost two years. So who knows? Like, we just saw Kevin Durant. A year of rehab is a good thing. It's also Kevin Durant. We don't know. Clay Thompson, we don't know. Like, we still don't know to what extent. But Rudy Gay has also come back from Achilles injury and has been a serviceable NBA player. So, yeah, I, I, again, worst case scenario, he just doesn't play in the playoffs. It doesn't work out. It's one year. You move on. Best case, similar to semi Maybe he can be useful in the playoffs. It's not the end of the world. I mean, if this is more of a replacement of Thanasis kind of type of guy where it's like he might come in for a couple minutes and we'll see what happens, great. But, yeah, I, I it's one of those where after last year with the Bogdan trade falling apart and then John Horse was able to make the moves that he did, I've kind of just accepted that. You don't have, like, yes, obviously getting the big names as soon as possible is great, but what you do in the next week or two after free agency opens is really going to be more impactful, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's, it's also hard with so much of this from the outside because we don't know if they were offering to a Patty Mills the full taxpayer Emily and we were just getting rebuffed. I mean, we have to be honest that, yes, we won a title and that should attract a certain name. And I think there are going to be guys who see like a Bobby Portis where it ends up they bet on themselves with the team and it works out. So I think that's that is to our favor. But we are still Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At the end of the day, we are still the Bucks. I think Giannis has begrudging respect from guys, but there's not a lot of guys who are lining up to be like, I really love everything this guy is doing. So I think it's just hard from the outside to see unless somewhere, you know, down the line we hear like, Oh, we offered this guy, this guy, this guy, the Emily, and they just didn't take it. It it does take two to tango at a certain point. And if the names that we went after just said, no, there's not a whole bunch we can do about that. So that makes it difficult as well to assess free agency. That's why something like PJ Tucker, we get the immediate details. That's why it can be so visceral. Whereas, you know, if PJ Tucker leaves and then we find out that we offered Patty Mills to the taxpayer, Emily, and he takes it, it was like, okay, well then it, you know, a, two wrong, or, you know, a wrong, one right doesn't equal one wrong and make it all even, but that helps out. So it, it's just tough to evaluate from the outside. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I've gotten it the same way. It's like, I don't know who they made offer to and who they tried going after. I don't, and you know, that's kind of the tough part of why it's really hard to like evaluate or like make judgment calls. Like, we don't know what they tried doing. 
Because, yeah, they could have tried making all these offers and they just got no. And it's like, OK, you move on and you find out whatever happened. Same with the ball down. We know that was probably Woj's fault, but you move on, you figure it out and they and you recover and the Bucks did. So that's all really you can do. Is there any I guess we could talk. We could briefly talk about the other moves like other teams made. I don't know. Was there any I know we mentioned it on the roundtable, but were there any moves out in the league that kind of seems worth talking about or mentioning i'm gonna laugh at philly taking andre drummond i think that's hilarious i think toronto completely being more bums than they already were is hilarious i think the fact that miami and chicago are under investigation for tampering is hilarious I think the main thing was so yes the uh, the stupid teams they stay stupid I, I so with like a Chicago and Miami this feels like a if it doesn't pay off right now they're going to careen off the deep end with a quickness they're paying Jimmy Butler a bajillion dollars they re- double triple down on Jimmy Butler for a bajillion dollars and Kyle Lowry's old ass and all sorts of things even if you know whatever they get fined for on top of all of that. The biggest thing to me was like um, the fact that the Nets were able to retain. They got KD to the extension. They got Patty Mills, who is, you know, he's getting a bit older, but he's still a heck of a spark plug off the bench from like just an offensive creation standpoint. That sucks. Um, They were able to have like Blake Griffin stuck around. The biggest thing to me of all the other teams in the East are the Nets stay, it probably got slightly better. But at the end of the day, my main concern is the Eastern Conference because Western Conference, if we get to the finals again, that's, you know, that's where my goal is just to get to the finals again. So if I'm just looking out East, it looks like it's going to be a competition between us and the Nets training staff. If the Nets training staff can keep those, the big three healthy, we're going to have a rougher time of it. But those three, the KD, James Harden and Kyrie Irving, they seem to struggle to stay healthy. They struggled to stay healthy last year. They played like, 10 games together all season. And then obviously during the playoffs, they couldn't stay together. Um, it's going to be between us and the training staff to figure out who comes out of the East. So there was nobody out there that I saw. I was like, Oh man, they're like a true blue competitor. Now they, there might be a team that really puts it together that I'm not expecting, but just looking at deals that ma- teams made out in the Eastern conference, nobody really scares me necessarily. I'm like they're the next team to beat outside of us and the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I am in the same boat. Um, it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee as the top two and everyone else competed for third. What happens with that third place? Who knows? Maybe it's Philly. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe it's New York. I don't know. It, there's no team in the East that made moves that made me go, oh, I should really worry about them. Atlanta brought back John Collins. They seem to bring back the core guys and hope that maybe you get lucky again. Maybe you catch fire again. Philly... Until they get rid of Ben Simmons, I can't take them as a serious threat. So they're there. Miami, I can't take you as a serious threat when your best player is getting outscored by Brent Forbes. Like, I can't do that. Is what it is. And then it's kind of like, are the Knicks going to be able to take that next up? I don't think so. Is Chi- Like, Chicago spent all this money to maybe be a playing team? Congrats, I guess. Is Charlotte going to get better? Like, is Charlotte going to internally get better? Is Boston going to get better? I don't think like Boston, I feel like is the one team where it's like maybe just getting rid of Brad Stevens as a coach and bringing someone else in and not relying on Kemba Walker, just letting Jason Tam and Jalen Brown run the show. Maybe that ends up working out for them. I don't know. But like, again, best case scenario for all those teams is you're the third seed. Yeah. And I'm not too worried. Oh, I 
I also forgot about the uh, trade that the Bucks made for Grayson Allen. <laughs> I was going, so I was going to wait. I was hoping you were going to try and move on from this because I wanted to bring it back. <laughs> I need you to. So let's just let's go into the mind of Kyle Carr. It's we're sitting around. It's Friday afternoon, and the news comes across the line, and it's Grayson Allen. Let's just go into the mind of Kyle Carr. Let's just piece by piece. How did it go? Uh, I was like, really, this guy, really. Like <laughs> Grayson Allen, the guy like, and I will admit I was very ignorant and I have not followed Grayson Allen's career since that fateful night in 2015. I've just actually hated the guy. <laughs> and then he went pro and then I was like, okay, whatever I can. I still don't like him, but I'm over it. It's whatever. I don't know what he was doing. He was in Utah. He did yeah. stuff there. He was in Memphis. And that's where it was kind of like when the Bucks were playing Memphis, like, oh yeah, he's there. God, he's annoying. He's just, he was annoying. It looks like Ted Cruz. Like, there's just a lot of problems yeah. with Grayson Allen. <laughs> but the guy is okay. He shoots the ball well. He seems to be a good young piece that is worth, like, the fact that you only had to trade Sam Merrill for, and you got hit Grayson Allen and two second-round picks, that's a good move to, by John Horse. That is a great move by him. Props to John Horse. Even if Grayson Allen doesn't work out, then you know you're not going to resign him or you resign him for super cheap again and you've got two more second round picks. Cool. It's weird. There was definitely a out of all the dudes, why did it have to be this guy? Like I just actively did not like him since 2015. And now I have to just like get not necessarily get over it, but like start trying to be okay with it. And it's like, all right, <laughs> sure. Like I'm, I'm like I'm over that game in 2015, but it's still like, like everyone on that team, I'm still going to have a still dislike for like him, Tyus Jones, Justin Justice Winslow, like I think Jaleel Okafor is on the team, like all those guys, I'm going to dislike forever because there's going to be a part of me that's going to remember what they did, and I'm always going to be better about it. Just like I'm also bitter about Frank Kaminsky not being good enough to win the damn game. It's not Decker for being a douche. Like, there's always a tinge <laughs> of that as well. But, yeah. no, it, like, when you look at it through simply a basketball perspective, it is a great move by John Orson's good for Milwaukee. And he might start. He might legitimately start at the beginning of the season if Dante is not 100% ready to go. And Grayson Allen filling in. Not the worst case in the world. If he can continue shooting like he has, I think he's shooting like all around 40%. Like he's shooting a pretty good percentage yeah, yeah, yeah. for a guy. And he has size. He's pretty athletic. Like he, it is a good move in terms of basketball logic. Emotions are still conflicted. I will easily get over it by the time training camp starts. But initially I was thinking, oh, I've hated this guy for the last six years and I got to get over it. <laughs> this is annoying, but that's basketball and that's life, I guess. It is. I, I can't wait for Adam to be back to also get another Badger fans perspective because I'm sure it was a similar route. <laughs> now for us, non-Badger fans and almost one could say the active Badger haters in and outside of the hate state itself. I saw a lot of unity amongst us on Twitter. I saw a lot of people tweeting or like, oh, you know, the like replays of uh, Grace Allen going up, getting an and one through some Wisconsin defender in the national uh, championship game. And it was bringing the Badger haters together. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I don't know. I 
much like you, I did not follow him whatsoever once he came to the NBA because I am not actively watching jazz games. You put a gun to my head and that's not happening. So I was not watching his NBA career blossom or Grizzlies games or Grizzlies games. I should note, we are the ones who sent out the second round picks, the future second round. Now, I don't, we don't know which second round picks those are oh, because right, right. I don't think it's been it hasn't been clarified yet. However, I still think your wider points about it being extremely good value for us because we don't one we don't know what Dante's status is. Uh, it was an like a pretty legit injury that he was hobbling around on like a scooter. Yeah, he was right around playoffs. that scooter during the parade and everything. Like he is yeah. not like that did not look Close like a guy like that is going to be sued coming back. <laughs> no, so assume our guard depth then, even when we get George Hill, is it's going to be Drew, it's going to be Pat, it's going to be George Hill, and that's it. Right, that those are the those are the main guys because uh, Gregorios or Georgios is probably not coming over as we discussed. So in terms of having an option to again add into the guard rotation for what for us was pretty super. I mean, I think really good value. Sam Merrill, you know, he made a couple of threes. Seemed like he could make threes, but Grayson Allen is what you seem- hope Sam Merrill becomes. Sam Merrill was just not going to have the like athleticism to be a plus on even nearly enough of a net neutral on defense to be playable. He's already old for a rook, you know, a young guy, a young guy in the league, I should say. So you upgrade off of that. You have a guy who, like you said, we now own his ability to extend him on a rookie deal next year. Um, I think it's good for Dante to have competition to be driven to come back and work and really fight for his rollback. Um, I, I just think, Assuming Grayson Allen, and it looks like, you know, from the like two interviews I've watched since we acquired him, like he did on the JJ Reddick podcast, and it seemed like a lot of the Grizzlies players liked him as well. Um, they they were, you know, you know, not depressed, but they were like, you know, somewhat dismayed as departure. If the character stuff from his college days have improved. And I saw a dunk mixtape of his in the league. I was like, oh, I didn't know my guy could dunk. I've never, I don't know if I've seen Dante dunk before in my life. So I was like, oh, this guy can dunk too. So we'll see where it goes from. But in terms of pull it out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere for as little as we gave up for a guy who is more than likely going to be a part of the regular season rotation in a big way. Um, And it gives you an option where if you feel Pat is better coming off the bench to play a whole bunch of different roles for guys, yeah, I think this is like a slam dunk trade for the Bucks. Yeah, um, and they also use fits in with the culture. They also use DJ Augustine's trade exception. So yeah. yay, they use the trade exception that they like. They again, they use an asset that they had. That is good, and it also, and I think now it increased their tax penalty up to what, like forty? I think it's forty-four million. That was thirty-six. So that also kind of showed, like, okay, maybe the owners aren't cheaping out, cheaping out completely. They just. Again, they're picking when is it okay to cheap out. I don't know. Like, yeah, Grayson Allen shooting 41% from the field, 39 from three, 87 from the free throw line in 50 games for Memphis last year. Yeah. Can't complain about that. Yeah, we can work with that. That I'm okay with that. And you know what? At the very least, Pat Connaughton is probably like, if people were hating me before, I am in the clear. I am good. Yeah. (laughs) Because that guy is going to be the one that's going to take the heat, not me. I am in the clear. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be our guy where, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, everybody hates this guy. But if he was on your team, you'd love him. Now we have he one really of those guys. is. We're gonna, Grayson Allen really we're is. Gonna, 
we're going to push it to the limit and see how true that is. I'm willing to give the guy a fair shake. I'm willing to see how, because it's the same thing with like a Bobby Portis. You know, I was one of the ignorant people who was like, Bobby Portis punches teammates and is like a weirdo on the court. I had that same perception and it took me the whole season to kind of come around to it. That, that that was my failing. I'm willing to give Grayson Allen in terms of character, how he is fits in the locker room and then on the court, I'm willing to give him a blank slate and see how it works out and hope he's incentivized. We hold the rights to give him extension. He's coming. He's got to get paid. Uh, I think he's incentivized to play up, up and beyond his level. So I, I think we're again, all the way around great trade for the bucks. I don't think there's any downside to it really. Yeah. No, I, I will get over it. I will give him a legit chance. It's going to take some time for me to, if you told 2015 me this is going to happen, I'd be like, what? Uh, Okay, fine. What? (laughs) So I will also give Grayson Allen a fair shake, but we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some gold medalists that are on the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe a film review. Stay tuned. And we are back. All right. So one of the things that we haven't talked about that I feel like we should. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday won gold medals. Team USA won the gold medal, beating France in the gold medal game. It wasn't looking like, you know, things were off to a rocky start when they lost to France in the first group game. They recovered. And now Chris and Drew are the first teammate duo to win an NBA championship and a gold medal in the same summer since Jordan and Pippen. So I'm just saying maybe how much more help does Giannis need? <laughs> yeah. You have to ask who's really the Superman and the Batman or the Robin <laughs> or the Batman and the Robin of those pairing. Uh, I have to fully admit I didn't watch a single second of Olympic basketball. I couldn't find it. I was too lazy to try and find. I'm sure it was on NBC, big NBC. No, it wasn't. And that I think only the gold medal game was on big NBC. Otherwise, you were searching on Peacock. One game was on USA Network. One was on NBC Sport. (laughs) It is the NBC's coverage of the Olympics was an absolute mess. Absolute mess. So I no, don't worry if you didn't see it. It was hard to find anyway. I, I so from what I gathered though, it didn't seem like Chris had as big of a role, but it seemed like Drew played the demolition guy on defense to great effect once again. Credit to those guys to be in the shape that they were in to go through a whole finals run and then to show up, fly overseas, and play a big role for the team, especially Drew. Um Yeah, I, I mean and I, I hope obviously they're gonna have I would hope for like a, a month or two of just resting, just taking it off. Don't worry. You're going to get load managed. We'll work into it next season for working you back into shape and all that. But uh, good for them. I'm glad for them that they were able to have the experience. It is not often that guys get called to play for their nation at the Olympics. Uh, I think it's a cool experience and I didn't fault them at all for wanting to go play. I think that there might be a chance we'll suffer a little bit at the start of next season to give them a little bit of rest, but totally worth it given the title that we won and for them to have the experience that if they built a little repertoire with other players with team USA, Drew had a great experience. Um, it seems like it all, all worked out for the better. So that it's good for them. Good for the team. Good for the country, obviously to go out and win the, get the gold medal. Yeah. Drew was, I have said multiple times, Drew was the most impactful player for team USA. I, Kevin Durant after that first, Kevin Durant was probably the best player. Like, if you had to say, like, the most outstanding player of the whole thing is probably Kevin Durant. But in terms of 
would Team USA win as many games as they did without Drew Holiday? I don't know. I lean towards no, but he was that good, especially, yes, on defense. He was blowing up things with Patty Mills, Evan Fournier, no matter what guard the other team had, Drew Holiday was right in the grill. He made their lives miserable, which is, I mean, something that we've been accustomed to seeing, especially in the finals with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But without Drew Holiday, I don't think Team USA, it's not as likely they win gold. They might still win gold because the talent is still there. But what he was able to do was so impactful and so important for the team. And Chris Middleton, yeah, he didn't have as big of a role. I mean, also, let's talk about Chris Middleton having a finals championship, apparently has a child board, and then goes over to Japan. <laughs> like, I don't know how you can manage all that. Like, our kid, my kid, my second kid's like a couple months old. I'm still exhausted. Like, I cannot imagine trying to play uh-huh. basketball at such high stakes. <laughs> So I think Chris Middleton will definitely be getting uh, a good month or two break um, to relax, a.k.a. relax. And by relax, I mean, he's not going to be working out as intensely. He's going to be chasing around because I think he has another. He has two kids now. Like he is also living the two under two or two young children life. So congrats to Chris on that. Yeah, he's going to be coming in. If he's coming in slightly more out of shape than Chris usually comes into camp, Totally understand. I'm willing to give you a pass between the Olympics and then also being a new father for a second time. Uh, that's a lot to <laughs> take in. Then the in the next two ish months that he has off before training camp and everything begins again. So I'm willing to give every everybody gets a big slice of uh, you know. I don't even know what what word I'm looking for. They're totally cool by me. Whatever we turn, if it's a I would not be surprised. The only other relation to this to next season is I would not be surprised if the team comes lumbering out to start because we went deep into the playoffs. There wasn't much of an off season last season. Uh, and obviously two of our three main guys have been still playing for a couple weeks since the finals. So uh, do not be surprised Bucks fans. If we're looking a little rusty when, when the season starts next year. Yeah. I, I have said, I will not, complain about trivial stuff about the Bucks for this next season. Now, if they do some problematic stuff, oh no, I'm going to complain about it, you know, but everyone gets, everyone gets an ease of criticism from me, at least for this next season. Mm-hmm. That's what you get when you win a title. I, I will not complain about the trivial stuff. You know, there's going to be some things that I'll probably still complain about that are more large scale issues, but when it comes to, okay, Chris was 9 of 22, and the Bucks lost by 3 because they allowed 23 pointers. Eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. My my only other thing I should say, I didn't watch, again, a single second minute. I didn't really try to find the highlights. Uh, Jordan Wara, I don't know, did he set a record for Nigeria's uh, men's basketball team for, like, most points scored? I don't know if he set a record, but yeah, his team? first game he had, like, 13 points. And he was kind of a spark plug. And in the second game against Germany, he scored like 31. It was like, yeah, oh, he was on fire. I, I did not watch that one. I could not find it. But it seemed as though he had gotten hot like Jordan Ward does. He just shot a lot and he got hot and the shots fell in. And Nigeria still lost. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does in summer league. <laughs> it will be. Uh, yeah, my, my only last basketball thing. Any predictions for summer league? Uh, we have done zero prep whatsoever. I know the Sandman will be there, and I know Jordan will be there, and that is all that I know about the team. Diakite will also be there. So oh, Diakite, yep, yep. I feel like the Bucks will 
because they play four games. They'll win two of them, lose two of them. I don't know which two. I feel as though we're going to have a lot of people getting really excited about Jordan Wara and Diakite and Mamu because they're going to be, again, those box scores are going to look real nice. And then uh-huh. you're, if you watch the highlights, that might tell a different story. <laughs> it's true. It's Summer League is the kingdom or it is the like it is the heaven for dudes putting up crazy numbers because you just met the other guys in the team five minutes before they tipped off and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna do everything because I'm the one who's gonna be on the team and you guys are not, so just get out the way and give me the ball. And you know what? It's a beautiful thing. And I think Mitchell Mitchell Maurer, he said it best in the group chat. Summer league is straight up basketball. But you know what? In years past, basketball was the best that I had to look forward to because I didn't know what the future was going to hold. I can go into this and be like, oh, look, Jordan scored 35 points. That's cool. And not even care about it because we just won the title. Yep. Summer League basketball is a funny mess that I somewhat enjoy watching because it reminds me of children playing basketball. And it's like, it's not going to look good. But it's going to be fun to just sit there and be like, I'm really watching this. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I will watch because what else are we going to do in the summer during the day? <laughs> yeah. But it is exactly. going to remind me of those youth tournaments where you're just sitting like you have to go because it's your kid or it's your younger sibling and you got to watch. You don't have a choice. You are dragged to this and you're going to watch and you're going to find some you're going to find something interesting. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's that's the best thing. And we can go into it with no expectations at all because. These guys, they may or may not be part of the rotation, and that's okay. It's just, it's all fun right now. It's all fun. Yep, and I guess the last thing I will say is I have a quick film review in the Heights. It is based on the musical Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote. I had a really fun time watching that movie. There are definitely some issues that are legit concerns in terms of the casting, but in terms of the story and the music and the visuals and everything else, it was probably the best musical to movie adaptation i've seen i thoroughly enjoyed it i've always been a fan of the soundtrack i'd give it an eight out of ten it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it it's in the heights has always been my favorite musical i've said it's a better musical than hamilton was so yeah i would strongly recommend watching it it's on hbo max i believe so the two questions are, remind me, so you are a musical guy. You're into musicals as like in a general as a category. Yeah. Okay. Two, have you seen like it performed in person, like the musical performed in person? Okay. Not and the think- Broadway, not the Broadway version. It was like a Milwaukee rep theater. So it's like, obviously just like more local artists. Yeah. But it was still Which is fine. So- pretty damn good. And so would you say that in your experience, the movie was better than the um, Milwaukee performance or would I would say I get just tough like musical live musical versus how they do it in film. Obviously, the resources are totally different, but it translated pretty well. Yeah, they changed the story a little. They definitely changed parts of the story from the musical and they changed some of the lyrics and some of the wording. Like there's definitely some changes that if you saw the musical recently in person and or even if you listen to like this original soundtrack and you watch the movie there are definitely changes but i think those changes were fine and good um it's tough because i also feel like at the milwaukee rep theater it was like such a tight a smaller stage so it's kind of harder to like yeah. fully get the picture while when you have a whole hollywood studio 
Yeah, but I, I think it did it justice. I think the movie did the musical justice, and I, it felt like you could have seen it as a musical in a theater and gotten the same like effect. Yeah, cool. All right, well, I'm not a musical person, so I'm probably not going to search it out, but I know that if I'm just looking for something, I'm scrolling and I happen to see in the heights that Kyle gave it an 8 out of 10, and an 8 out of 10 is pretty good in the Kyle Carr film. Right it now. really is. Like, that is a, I would recommend watching this movie. Like, that is in the, if someone said, should I watch this movie, it'd be like, yes, you absolutely should. And that's probably going to be the highest, out of the movies I've watched recently, this is probably the highest I'm giving it, because... I've seen some other movies and they're not great. <laughs> well, that's for the next podcast. We got a whole summer of maybe podcasting once every three weeks to talk about movies you've seen. So we'll figure it out. But for yes, for now, check us out at brewhoop.com. You can follow us on brewhoop on Twitter. Um, make sure to follow all the stuff that we're putting out there. We're going to have some summer league coverage. I know. I'm sure if there's any other moves that happen, there will be an article written about it. I don't know when we're going to talk to you guys next. It'll probably be in a couple of weeks. We'll figure it out. But in the meantime, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. And we will talk to you later. Bye.